Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrip.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at Kinetic Dog Food. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out. Horizonstructures.com. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. I am uh, Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. As always, Eric Stanbro from Canton, Ohio. Eric, what's up, man? Look at his face. Shaved <laughs> I, it off. Yeah. Shaved all the beard off. I uh, <laughs> so I went down to see. Um, I had to go to Dulles Airport to get dogs. <clears throat> so rather than do the drive down, and. Uh, you know, get the dogs and drive back, which ends up being like a 13, 14 hour day. I just, uh, went down, spent the night, went, spent a day and a half at Aaron Taylor's place, the, uh, Ridside canine headquarters in the hotel I was at is used by CIA, FBI, uh, everybody with who's doing training, MSA, right. a bunch of people, every single dude in there look like me, every dude, <laughs> Thin, you know, trimmed beard on the side, longer on the chin, and then I went over and worked at Aaron's place and all his employees looked like me. I was fuck. So I got home and I shaved and I shaved it down. I had my wife trim it down. It looked okay for about four days. And I started looking like white trash and I, cause it got fuzzy and everything. I was like, fuck it. So, but she wants me to grow my hair out. So I have had head. So my, it's getting, but I'm in the worst stage right now. That fuzzy, I got to wear a hat and I forgot. So Yeah, that's why I've got mine on because uh, yeah. my barber canceled on me today. So I'm going to go see him tomorrow. Tomorrow, I look no. like a fucking Civil War soldier. I just go back from San Francisco from <laughs> HRD and people confuse me as a local. No, look at you. Yeah, yeah, tattoos and look like a shithead. And people are like, oh, they're asking me for directions. I'm like, fuck away. I'm not from here. Leave me alone. Yeah. So uh, what's going on up there other than I got shaved? I, yeah. So I got a handler school going on. It's just one one guy, one dog. It's a dog that I trained a couple years ago, sold to the agency. I love him. He's a, his name is Nuke. He's a real good dog, big Dutchie. Uh, the handler left to take a, um, a significantly better paying police job, like a $15 an hour pay raise. And um, shit. Yeah. So we got a new kid uh, training. He's a big, just a big country, you know, kid. So 
he's never decoyed, right? So we're trying, Jordan and I are trying oh, to help him, no. trying to te teach him in decoying. And the one day I wasn't, Monday I wasn't there because I was doing something with dogs and Jordan's handling it. I go, how'd it go with the kid in the bite in the table? He goes, dude, none, he's huge, like massive bicep. He goes, none of the dogs can really get a full grip on, on his, well, the dogs that, my dogs were in the van, but none of them can get a really full grip on this kid in the bite suit. So um, today I put him in, I put him in my old m &A suit, put the dogs on the table and um one of the dogs his name is rocky punctured through on the bicep punctured through the demonet and through the gauntlet and i'm like there you go done easy that's what he gets for having giant muscles yeah <laughs> that's a, that's a story for anyone listening like kim kardashian is still dating pete davidson so she left kanye west for that dude <laughs> right so it doesn't have dogs are going to eat his whole arm exactly yeah so fantastic what's going on over there uh we're rocking and rolling at the kennel we've got all the epoxy down um we got a toilets installed which is super exciting Ooh, that's a big deal yeah i mean you know you can shit inside now it's great i don't have to shit outside like wow. the dogs <laughs> no it's just i mean it's kind of like a, a seminal moment it's like i remember the date that we had toilets installed it's pretty cool uh so we're uh getting the painting done we're getting pretty close to the back half being done so that they can do finish the office and all that kind of stuff so uh and i've got a couple more single purpose dogs on the way um finishing up we've been tracking so the oklahoma weather this is a tuesday that we're recording this um so it was 70 69 degrees 70 degrees something's here today right i was tracking in a t-shirt uh massive south wind uh tomorrow night we have a tornado warning or severe thunderstorm warning early the next morning, like in the early AM, uh, we switch over to a winter storm warning <laughs> and a freeze warning. And then this weekend, so it'll be in the sixties, like mid sixties, high seventies. And then next weekend, another winter storm. So, uh, we've officially entered spring. Yeah. So tracking I'm behind on tracking on some dogs. So I'm like hammering tracking today and I've been hammering tracking all week and I worked Saturday and Sunday, tracking, 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 like catching up on these dogs. Cause I know I'm going to take a four or five day break because of the rain and the snow and all the other bullshit with these dogs. And then, so I'll do all my inside work, but yeah, yeah this is when like, I have to call departments. I'm like, yo, so by the way, <laughs> hmm. I have to push it off a little bit because you know, shit happens. So other than that, we're rock and roll. We got a bunch of pets rolling through. Um, we have, uh, we had another can of Corso in that is just like, it's fucking scared of everything and it's of like yeah. It, yeah and like it and on top of that it's you know 100 and something pounds and it likes to bolt and yeah, yeah. so the good ones are great the bad ones are really bad yeah she's super sweet well she didn't try to bite me so that's awesome i'm happy yeah, about that i like them so what do we got going tonight so well explain the series well what we're going to be doing yeah. for the next couple episodes so before i introduce a guest i want to back up to your plumbing issue so the other day <laughs> at my kennel there's no bathroom there's a porta john yeah and uh the other day it was minus 17 at the tunnel <laughs> in the morning minus nope. 17 mm. and i'm like no nah. i really gotta go to the bathroom no lie i stood and stared at the porta john <laughs> for probably four minutes straight stared until at you didn't like, have to go to the bathroom anymore <laughs> i might i might stick to the seat i'm probably i don't know what's going to happen here can someone find me 
<laughs> if I'm stuck in, I might die. <laughs> yeah. It's not the day the guy comes to fix or clean up the port of John. He comes on uh, Tuesdays. This was like a Thursday. And I look, I was like, well, I got a 25 minute draw. All the dogs are loaded up. I got no, a just go down minute. the street. What's that gas station? The hall of fame? Well, uh, no, no, not that street. Um, <laughs> so I'm still down at the kennel and I'm like, I got a 25 minute drive to, to, to the fun house. It's a race against time. Oh, okay. literally going to be a race against time. 17 below possible die something else happening in the 17 minute drive. So I go to the bell stores down the street, which I go to almost every morning. They know me pretty well. I was like, like this walking by him to the bathroom. They're like, you okay. You've never used the restroom. I'm like, shut up, mind your own business, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, lots of dudes are listening to him going, yeah, yeah, I know. I've cut the top <laughs> off my sock before. I know what you're talking about. Um, so anyways, uh, so our guest today has been on a couple times. Um, he reached out to me. I don't know. It's been a what a couple of weeks with a great idea. He retired a while, a little while ago, not too long ago, but a little bit. And um, <clears throat> he said, "Have you ever thought about having guys on that retired out of law enforcement in the canine side and are doing dog stuff in the civilian world of any kind as a living to show that guys that are maybe at the, towards the end of that career path that maybe." wondering what they could do you know as for for a living because guys i'll let you know you guys that are cops that are working right now those of you who think that you're just gonna retire retire that's so very few and far between um it just is unrealistic if you retire in your 50s you you have a lot of years to work and things and a lot of places with health insurance when you retire there is none you know, our, our pension system in Ohio cut it out. There is no more health insurance, which it used to be free for life, which was amazing. There's none of that anymore. So, you know, you, you retire, you're looking at a thousand, $1,100 a month in health insurance. So you're going to have to work. Right. And guys are like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll go be security, which I would rather shoot myself in the face than go do that. But he made a great idea. We posted a video then saying, Hey, if you've retired out of canine and are doing something with dogs in the civilian world, or maybe even something else unrelated, give a guy some ideas, give us a, give us a DM and we're going to do a series and it exploded. So we're like mm -hmm. the first guest in the series might as well be the guy who came up with it. Yeah. Most of you remember him, uh, from online and from on the show as his, uh, online name of Fritter, but it's uh, Frank Ritter. Frank, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you doing, buddy? Good. So glad to have you come back on. Thank you. From seeing and in, in interacting with you, uh, like on a daily basis, to see you kind of drift off, and then we didn't get to talk that much. I, I'll be honest with you. No, and it has nothing to do with you. I was so happy for you. I loved it. I was like, that's so great, man. He's doing something that isn't uh, re doesn't really require you know, like promotion and, you know, uh, things like yeah. that to, to get, um, money into the unit or to get notoriety, to keep things going. It's and super, it so great. Yeah. So, um, what we're going to do, we'll have you, for those who don't know you again, there's it's been on a couple of times. We had a couple of pretty emotional episodes with Frank talking about, uh, his career and some a couple of his, uh, dogs that tragically died. And then we talked about 
what it's like managing a unit who had a dog killed in line of duty and, and what that uh, entailed. So make sure you guys go back and check out uh, the interviews with Frank. They're pretty good. But let's go remind everybody who you are and talk about your career for a bit and then up, led up to your retirement. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Frank Ritter. Um, I was in law enforcement for about 24 years. Worked for a local PD here in the Sacramento area called Woodland PD. Um, the last 10 years while I was there, I was a canine sergeant, built a program from the ground up and um, learned a lot. Retired about a year and a half ago, Eric. Um, the first year, I just, I needed to decompress, right? I, when I retired a year and a half ago, if you look at the timeline, some people may try to make a connection because of the changes towards you know, law enforcement, the attitudes, but that wasn't why. It was just my time to give it up. And uh, so I pulled the plug. And when I pulled the plug, California's got, a, you had mentioned in your opening about um, uh, pensions. California has a great pension system. So I do have lifetime medical my That's wife great. does as well, but they no longer are offering that to the newer officers, but I'm still one of the few that has it. So, um, so when I retired, I wanted to retire in a place where I didn't have to work. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to work security. I didn't want to be a DA investigator. You know, I just didn't want to do anything other than what I wanted to do, which was basically decompress and fuck off. And, and that's exactly what I did for the first year. But I, I never limited myself to um, not working. I, I told my wife from the very beginning and my family, hey, if something were to, and my friends, that if something were to come up that I enjoyed doing, I wouldn't, and I didn't, I wouldn't do it for the, for the money, just for the love of doing it, I would do it, right? Who wouldn't? Because you would do it anyway. So, but the first year, well, just before, let me back up one second. Just before I left, Woodland retired. I was contacted by this company. Apparently, well, a person who worked for the company knew me to some extent regarding my Instagram accounts and what I was doing in life. And I was retiring because I had like an open book about what I was doing in life. And this person was talking about uh, the company that she worked for, which was an environmental consulting firm. And they had a canine program where and it was a big canine program. It was like 25 handlers and 37 dogs. Wow. That, that's a lot, right? But that wasn't just a specific area. That was nationwide. So it was a huge program. And what they were doing, um, they were involved in doing surveys on these windmill farms. Well, they do a number of things, but that was one of them. And uh, so I instantly learned in a heartbeat that there were and we all know there's other canine working dogs out there besides police working dogs and military working dogs. Um, but I've since learned there's a lot of other things that are going on in the working dog world that I wasn't aware of. And at the time that we talked, there were no openings in the, in the California area. So they wanted me to relocate to the Midwest and going back to your opening again and having taken a shit when it's 17 below zero. Hmm. But it was a hard pass. And, and right, you know, yeah. <laughs> You know, my weather here is like 70 degrees every day. So it's not so bad. Um, and in fact, I'm just, I'm rude here. My family's here, you know, I've been here. So if I, I just wasn't going to do that. So life goes on. I'm doing projects around the house as being the old fart guy. And I'm getting caught up on projects. 
and uh, magically, it was kind of funny because uh, after this initial conversation, I knew of a windmill, a windmill farm uh, not too far from my house. It's about an hour and a half away. It's, it's massive. Um, and I thought, well, you know, if it was like at that location, I wouldn't mind doing that because what you're doing is you're just doing set work, right? You're doing, they're wildlife detection dogs. You're doing surveys on these turbines. Um, and you're looking for basically fatalities of bats and, and birds. <clears throat> but you're outside and you're working your dogs. And so she kind of planted that seed and it was fermenting in my brain. And lo and behold, man, about, a, I don't know, a little bit less than a year after retirement, I, uh, I get called again. They said, hey, man, we have, we're getting a, a contract in California in the Altamont area, which is the area that I was just describing. And uh, you know what? Sometimes life slaps you in the face. It's like, dude, you need to do this. So we talked more extensively, obviously. And um, my dogs were not certified wildlife detection dogs, but it turns out they had a complete program and they sent their protocols out to me. And then we were videotaping all the training and we we're basically doing online training with the dogs to get them up to speed. And so I was able to work. I had five dogs, but four of them are working dogs. And I got the four of them. And, the, and long story short is in the end, I got all four of them certified. They flew out, they certified the dogs. It's an internal certification. And, um, and now dude, now I'm working uh, this job where I'm literally in about 4,000 acres of the most beautiful property you can imagine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not connected to any, I don't see anybody. There's no human contact with what I do. Now, when I say that, I think most of your audience will probably laugh. They're, they're going to get what I'm saying, right? I mean, when you work law enforcement for 24 years, not that I didn't enjoy working with a lot of people and, and serving the community and all those things that, you know, we do. But damn, dude, working without any human contact is so mm -hmm. phenomenal. <laughs> you know, it's just something that I needed in my life, right? So, because you're not dealing with all the craziness that comes with, you know, the complaints, officers complaining, the citizens complaining. Um, the, the paperwork that I currently do is minimal. It takes me like five seconds after each survey. It's a, it's a data field base. I just click on boxes and, and then move on to the next one. And, the, and I'm out there with my dogs and I'm working all of my dogs. So anyway, it was a part-time gig. Uh, I thought that'd be a better way to start. I didn't want to jump into a full-time position. And, uh, and just about two weeks ago, another project came up, another contract came up at a neighboring wind farm, same area, it's just right, right next door. And they were gonna use dogs for six months there. So I decided to pick up those hours because I'm having, it's, it's challenging as fuck because the property, unlike um, some of the wind farms in the Midwest, they're very flat, right? And you have soybean fields and, and whatnot. Um, so the train isn't challenging. Dude, where I work, it is. Um, it's fucking leg day every day. Mm -hmm. You know, the inclines are anywhere from 45. One of them is 65 degrees. You're literally climbing, right? I mean, when you're climbing up, if you're going up the incline, your hands are on the mountain as you're going up, right? And the dogs. So it's, it's very challenging that way. Um, not a lot of environmental hazards other than the, the heat and the rattlesnakes. You got to watch out for the rattlesnakes. Right now, it's, it's winter in California, so they're pretty dormant. But yeah, during the, the hot season, during the summer season, uh, you got to be a little more careful. 
So, so anyway, so this is what's been going on in my life really the past year and a half. And I, now I'm a fan of your uh, working dog radio. I am. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I, I have been kind of, kind of ghosted a little bit, not, not ghosted. I've kind of ghosted Instagram a little bit because I'm busy. I was training, I was training four fucking dogs, you know, I'm working. And so I didn't have a lot of extra time to, to, to do the Instagram stuff because I just wanted to kind of master my skill a little bit with the dogs. And because uh, when we do our surveys, I'm searching every, the days that I'm working, I'm searching about 45 acres of property. Can you imagine doing 45 and every step? You're not just letting your dog, you can't let your dog off lead, but the dog isn't just flying like looking for a suspect. You're doing transects. And so you're going up and down, up and down. So I'm getting like eight, eight, nine miles in when I'm working, um, burning a ton of calories, but it's, it's fun. But what I, the reason why I contacted you was after I was, you have a lot of time to think out there when you don't have contact with people and you, mm. you kind of drift off. I thought, you know what? There's, I haven't seen a lot of postings or podcasts on, on jobs or careers post-retirement for law enforcement. And I was specifically thinking canine. When you and I talked, you, you brought in the umbrella a little bit and talked about any job, which, yeah, that's, that was true. But I was thinking specifically canine. Because other than the obvious, you know, some guys thinking they could do, you know, well, if you want to stay in police work, you can. That's kind of what you did. You're working, training, working dogs with, you know, police units. I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to break completely free from law enforcement. Not because I was, I was a hater, but just because I wanted to do something different in my life. I'd done that for 24 years and I wanted to break away completely from law enforcement and do something different, but I wanted to do it with my dogs. And, um, and lo and behold, dude, I'm, it, it just kind of happened. I didn't even look for it. It just kind of fell on my lap. So it was a blessing. I'm very appreciative of that. But I wanted, and that's why I connected with you, because I thought maybe there's a, probably some other guys out there who either want to break away totally or don't know what else to do other than doing, you know, canine training with, you know, obedience or working in the civilian population, which is, I'm not knocking any of those jobs, by the way. So don't, hope your audience doesn't take me wrong. It's just something that I wasn't interested in doing. And, and I didn't want to do, you know, any police work anymore. Cause I didn't like our trainers I'm, and perhaps you can, you know, maybe you're doing the same thing. Our trainers have to testify in court. They're involved in IA investigations and they give their, their personal input on, you know, on what's happening. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go to court and testify and be an expert witness. I didn't want to get involved in internal affairs investigations on canine handlers and did they do the proper thing did they follow protocols and 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 such so i don't have to deal with any of that when i clock out dude i'm i'm done so that's where we are and that's why i reached out to you and uh at first i think when we first when i first sent the idea out to you i think you thought of some past episodes that you've talked that you've had on your on your show and it didn't go in the direction perhaps that you wanted it to and then we, you and I kind of worked out a little bit more in detail what I was thinking. And, and then as soon as the light bulb turned on and over your head, <laughs> you did, it was fast and you ran with it. It was like, yeah. I think I, I struck a chord with you because I think you were able to relate to what I was saying because you're, oh, you and I are very, yeah. you and I are very similar, you know, we're in the exact same situation. Uh, you work, you know, you're a little, obviously you do podcasts and you do other things that I do, but you're doing things post-retirement. And I think that's important for guys out there. Or when I say guys, I'm going to use that as an umbrella term. Okay, uh, it's, it's old school, but it's me. So um, 
I think there's people out there who would benefit from talking to some of your listeners as to what they're doing post-retirement in the canine world or, or anything, I guess. So that's where we're at. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, and you know, you hit on a couple of things that we talk about quite a bit. One of our buddies that uh, works for a huge <clears throat> detection company, a former canine handler, former Marine. Uh, he worked with us at HRD. Uh, he's friends with Ray. Um, and they hire cops for detection work. Like, I mean, all the fucking time. And, uh, another guy we've been trying to get on the podcast, Scott Reinhardt was running a company out in Alabama. That's running a bunch of that kind of stuff. So there, there is like, if you want to stay like kind of in the pseudo law enforcement side, there is an easy way. And Eric has said this like a hundred times on the podcast and in private in different versions. And he was like, how many times do I have to say, like, it's not about like, I loved the work, but hated working for the people I worked for. <laughs> and yeah. You know, it was like, I love the guys and I love the job. I just hate the motherfuckers I work for or worked for, which I mean, I, I can kind of understand that. But, you know, so I can see why leaving law enforcement was probably a pretty um, attractive prospect. Um, but then, you know, we run into this a lot with guys that we interview that come from the special operations community. It's like what the fuck am I going to do when I get back? Like they went through GWAT and you're like, Oh, you're like, yeah, I'm a canine handler. I'm a sniper. You're like, Oh, okay. And Google's looks at you like cross-eyed. They're like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not hundred percent. I know guys that have gone to work with them, but still, I mean, you know, so the skills like aren't hundred percent applicable. And you know, what you said was real accurate. Like, yeah, I didn't want to talk to people anymore. <laughs> and, you know, coming into the pet side, Eric can tell you, that's all you do is deal with people and yeah. you can't, you can't talk to them like you're, you can't talk to them like that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a buffer between me and yeah. a lot of people now. Me too. Um, Amanda, my manager and my wife, because I had an incident with a, a guy and, I, and they're like, yeah, you, you can't talk to people anymore. I'm yeah. like, but he was a fireman. So I had, that's why I had a problem with it. But, uh, <laughs> just kidding, fireman. Um, so okay. Yeah, go ahead. If I can make a comment to what Ted was saying. So what I discovered in this small journey so far is that, well, over the 10 years, working dogs have, have changed dramatically as to what they're doing, right? With the cancer smelling and everything, all the things that we all know what dogs are doing, that's grown exponentially. What I discovered was in this wild, wildlife um, detection work, was a lot of the handlers are not law enforcement or former military. They're biologists, the biologists who have a hobby doing canine stuff. And now they're working, they're working in their field of biology and then they're working their dogs to make it more efficient and, and better. Because dogs, we all know dogs, you know, when they search, it's so much more effective and efficient than human search, especially when you're in a field that grass is 10 feet, not 10 feet, about 10 inches high. And, uh, and you're working 45 acres, right? And, I, and you're going to try to find a bat that's the size of your, smaller than, the, than your hand, right? And it's in the grass. So, um, so with, through some discussions that I've had with my boss uh, who hired me, um, what's interesting is they now are, they've since learned that working with law enforcement or former law enforcement 
officers and who have a canine background is really beneficial. So they're starting to now, you mentioned the, the guy, the special ops guys that are coming out that, yeah, they can work. They, they're a canine handler and sniper. What do I do in the civilian world? Well, if they're interested, this is the kind of one option they can explore is doing wildlife detection work, which is probably something they would love. If they're going to be outside. You have, you're, you're self-reliant. And there's, there's no one out there but me. I do have ways of communicating. I've got GPS communications in case I get bit by a snake or I fall down a hill and break my leg, whatever, the dogs get injured. So there's, but other than that, you're, you're self-reliant. You're dealing with, you know, um, all the environmental challenges, you're working your dogs. And, uh, you know, the pay's not bad, dude. It's, you know, for me, it's a supplement. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't do it for the money, but it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's good. Now there is, um, there are some limitations. It tends to be seasonal work because of like most of the jobs are in the Midwest. <laughs> and, um, and because of that during the winter months, they shut down. They don't do any. They don't do any surveys. I'm fortunate because we don't have snow where I'm at, and so I'm full. I'm fully operational for the next. The contract I'm currently on is for three years. So, um, and but more than likely, kind of what happened. What I think is going to happen is one job will lead to another, which will lead to another if I so desire to follow through. But so. Um, so you're starting to, going back to what I, my point was, I, I drift off at times, but you're starting to see this connection of different worlds of this law enforcement, uh, military working dog world, getting kind of a hybrid into the civilian canine world, which is, I think, kind of cool. And I think both parties are benefiting from it because you're getting you know opportunities for guys that you know have, have served and now they're getting a chance to work their dogs. And you're getting the biologists who are getting some really good workers out there to, to work for them. So that was my take. That is pretty cool. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break. We come back. I'm going to back up a little bit. I want to talk about your unit and the level that you worked at. And then we're going to, we're going to kind of do talk about some things that other dudes can relate to that are about at that time they're stepping out. And uh, after we get back, I want to talk about like the, the animals, uh, what you're looking for and everything like that and why you're looking for it and things like that. So everybody stick around. Don't forward through the commercials. The uh, discount codes are in the show notes anyway. So we'll be right back. Hits Canine Training Conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric. All covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits to the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile 
of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company, kineticdogfood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks, kineticdogfood.com. By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great. Keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit stops little issues from becoming big ones. So it comes in a spray, it comes in an ointment, it comes in a dressing. It's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. You really only have to use it like once a day. So there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle. Since it's temperature stable, you don't got to worry about it getting hot, getting cold or anything like that. So put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet. Vetcare.us on the internet, quick derm by vetcare on the inner on Instagram and on Facebook, and then hit them up with the discount code one zero WDR for 10% off your first order. So my entire time that I was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement, the cars at my department in the departments that I trained all had American aluminum accessory kennels in the cars, different cars, man, Dodge chargers, all Ford models, some Chevys, uh, SUVs, cars, everything. We loved American aluminum accessories. Um, it's a great, product, a great company. They've been serving uh canine law enforcement community for over 20 years. If you check out their uh, website, EZ, that's the letter Z, EZrideronline.com. They got testimonials. They got videos on how to, they got a list of everything they have. Uh, just today, we made a post on the working dog radio, social media, showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the American aluminum kennel in the back of the car. Check them out online, guys. Easyrideronline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American Aluminum Accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to Tactical Police Canine Training, that's letter K number nine, training.com, and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. All right, everybody, we are back working dog radio, broadcasting the bite with our buddy uh, Frank Ritter out in California. 
So I want to back up a little bit. Um, so I want to talk about some things that that guys can relate to, or maybe they just don't understand the level that you guys were at and then how it can um, come down to now, what am I going to do? I need, like we were talking about the military guys. I, I met a guy at a function the other day who retired out of dev, dev group. And he said, you, you, you get out, you, you hand in your shit, you turn on the gate closes. That's it. Now what? He, he went to Blackwater and he's like, I need to, you know, go from high octane. I gotta, I gotta stay there and, and gradually work down. Um, so talk to, talk to everybody real quick, remind them those who haven't listened to about your unit that you were in charge of. You, you said you built it from the beginning. How many dogs while you were there? What kind of work were you guys doing? What was the running gun and level that you guys were working at there? Okay. So I'll, <laughs> I'll try to make it as brief as possible. It's a long story, but so when I first took over the unit, it was, um, there was, had been no supervision for over five years. The two, the two handlers that we had had dogs that were about eight or nine years old. Um, the two handlers weren't even talking to each other. There was, they <laughs> hated each other. I didn't even know this. Right. Oh. I, I knew from the outside in that the canine unit wasn't very good. Everybody, everybody knew it. Right. When the canine, you, you talk shit about the canine, um, specialty, and then when those guys showed up, you just shut your mouth, right? Because everybody knew the dog sucked. And when I, I mean, it was as bad as um, a high-risk car stop. Send the you're going to send the dog, you know, to the car. There's we're in a very uh, challenging environment with the the population around the you know around the scene. Um, the handler sends the gives a command to send the dog. The dog runs over to the far left to a neighbor's house and takes a deuce. Right. And then he's trying to do a recall and the recall is, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, if you, if you say it a hundred thousand fucking times and each time you say it louder, maybe the dog will come back. And of course it doesn't. So it was, that's where it was when I took it over. Um, I was asked to rebuild it from the ground up. I had complete support from my admin, which is amazing. Right. And I, we were fully, and we were fully funded with our budget. So I had unlimited funds and I had support from admin and, and then I, and I was motivated to do it. So it was kind of a perfect combination, but I had a lot to learn. We went through policies. We got new cars. We, um, we got new dogs and handlers and train. We did everything. And that, when you, when you say that it doesn't happen overnight, right? We all know that takes a lot of time, a lot of research. It isn't as easy, even though I had admin support, I'm, I was spending, I had like a $250,000 budget and, um, and, you know, you have to account for the money. And I had to have a lot of meetings with uh, my lieutenants and the chief. And and that was, and I had to change paradigms because even though I had support from the admin at the time, uh, you know, they, at one point we could only have German shepherds. The chief didn't know what a, what a Dutch shepherd was. And so that's kind of where we were. Changed all that, became operational. Uh, as time went on, confidence from in the officers with our unit became apparent. Um, one of our dogs became uh, one of the top 10 dogs in the Western States, which was the Western States Canine Association. Just do, just do the trial system. We were getting bites. We were, dude, we were doing good, man. And uh, one, of, one of my handlers uh, ran with uh, tracking 
and we were being so our canine team was specifically used for canine functions we had two dogs working from five to three in the morning they didn't shag any calls other than canine calls so some agencies don't have that luxury they have a dog but they're still shagging cold you know paper calls right we wanted our dogs to be proactive and, and supportive and we were running and we were it was to the point where there was a time when I, when we first started where if an outside agency needed a dog because they didn't have any of their dogs available and we offered our dogs, they declined. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. So we went from that to having this long list of outside agencies asking for assistance and they were always asking for us. So that's really, to me, that's the, you know, that's the compass that, you know, you're going in the right direction, right? When when that kind of stuff is happening and the dogs are successful and the, and the handlers have good a good rapport. So, um, you know, we had some tragedies along the way. You know, we lost a dog. We, but, you know, through tragedy, you know, it's one of those things, man. It's just how life is. Life sometimes hands you a shit sandwich. You take a bite, you either fucking choke on it or swallow it and move on. And long story short was we moved on, got, you know, another dog and, um, and, we didn't force that handler to take the dog. We, yeah, we gave him some time and then we asked him if he wanted to continue. If he did, we were going to keep him in the position and get another dog. He said, copy that. I want another dog. So we just took off and, and ran with it. And, um, and that dog became, that was the first Dutch shepherd we had. So, so, so when I retired, um, we had a unit that was a canine specialty that was uh, every, the community, myself and the PD was very proud of, and they were, they were a high speed team and I was very proud of them. So who, which, who was the first non-German shepherd? Uh, it was, uh, uh, Pedro. That's a dog's Dutchie? name. It was a Dutchie. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it was My- interesting was when I, when I was talking to the chief about different, about dog selection, <clears throat> it, you know, finding the right dog, we all know is, it's a fucking hard thing, man. Finding that dog, that, that golden child is, is challenging. And we'd go through like 65 dogs that were apparently all the greatest dogs in the world, right? According to the vendor. Yeah. And uh, we just, we, we would pass on. And uh, cause we were looking for specific criteria that we wanted the dog to meet. And um, so to, to, to limit the dog selection to one breed was, it wasn't about the breed. Right? I, had, I had to teach my chief. It wasn't about the breed. It was about the dog itself. I don't care if it was a fucking poodle, but if it met the criteria that we're looking for, that's the dog. We, we, we don't even look anymore. If the dog meets the criteria, we grab the dog and go. We don't need to see if there's a better dog because our, the criteria is what it is for our, for our assessments. And, um, and so I was able to convince the chief, like, hey, we don't want to just limit ourselves to a small pool of dogs because we're having a really hard time finding it. We want to be able to not worry about breeds and worry about, um, although I do have a special fondness for Dutch Shepherds because I've mm-hmm. got three of them, but, but I wasn't, wasn't going to change. So the reason why I shared that part of the story was ultimately the first two dogs we got were German Shepherds because they were actually the better dogs that we, that we assessed. And so I think I, because of that, because of that, I think I gained some buy-in, even more buy-in from the chief. And so when it came to getting the next dog, when we lost one of our dogs, um, um, it, it just worked out to be a Dutch Shepherd. So, 
Yeah, when yeah, my unit, when I was, came in as a handler, and my entire time up until my last dog was all German Shepherds. And it was for a while under the guy who was chief when I got hired, had to be German Shepherd, had to have two pointy ears. He really yeah. liked that black and tan look, which we got him off of. And for the longest time, like a lot of people listening, it was donated only. And then they started buying dogs uh, right before I came in the unit, actually. It was all shepherds. I brought in the first Malinois, which was a big ordeal because it's a big deal. Yeah. People had been telling them that Malinois were psychos that are going to rip everyone's throats out. Right. <laughs> the dog's name was Loco. That might not have helped my case all that much. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, mm -hmm. we on paper, we changed it to Luco, but it, we kept it Loco. But um, now there's no German shepherds. It's all Malinois and, a, and a one duchy, I think. All the dual-purpose dogs. Um, I had a conversation today. Oh, go ahead. Had, that's only because every the best dog that we found during all that entire time, the best dog available every time, was a Malinois and a right. couple duchies mixed in there. Yeah. Well, I had well, a conversation just... today with the single-purpose department, small department, and they're like, "We want." <laughs> At first, it was we just want a drug dog. Then it was we want a male then it was something else and something else and then i was like all right so now it's a lab and then they're like what well, it has to be black or brown. <laughs> they wanted a specific color and i'm like i i called them and i'm like hey like <laughs> what's the deal and he was just like oh the chief had a, had one when he was a kid or something that's what he wants i'm like well tell him to go to the pound and fucking rescue one then i was like no i'm not doing this and so they're not getting it right. i mean if they they i mean if i can find one i will but i'm not specifically seeking it out but i we deal with this shit a lot where i mean i have a department right now and they're like i had and this department is actually kind of a hybrid between a like a private company and a law enforcement company and their board of directors are like, we're worried about pointy ears look like. And I'm like, yeah, but don't you three of you people own German shepherds like as your house pets and you're worried about what it looks like in a correctional facility. And they're like, Oh, okay. So they have two pointy ear single purpose dogs now, but nice. I, yeah, <laughs> those, are tough. those are tough to sell. Yes, mm -hmm. they are. But these are gangs. These two are gangsters though. Anyway, so well, I, well, I've since learned. Uh, can I'm in contact with the guys that work still, <clears throat> and uh, Canine Chase, our Black German Shepherd, who's a it was a kick-ass dog, man. God damn, that dog was good. Um, he just retired, and uh, and they have a Malinois now. So that will be my department's first Malinois. But we, but I know, dude, right? And it just turns out the Malinois was, you know, it wasn't about it wasn't about the breed. It was just that this, like Eric said, it turned out that this was the best dog during that day that met the criteria. And we still have there's an agency that uh, neighboring the city that I live in, where my son works as a law enforcement officer, and they still have that policy: German shepherds only. You know, and yeah, there's it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, some, I don't I don't agree with it, obviously. But the the funny thing is, when we got loco, I was not getting anything but a Malinois. I was on purpose. I was dragging people, kicking and screaming into the real world, you yeah. know, whether they liked it or not. And I just had to push back a little bit and then they went on to something else. So mm -hmm. let me, I'm going to back up real quick. When you're talking about when you decided this is what we want is in a dog and we're going to go look in 65 dogs, we're going to fail 64 yeah. of them and all this other stuff. How did you know that? How did you know what to look for? Who taught you? 
Uh, well, we had a master trainer that had his own had his own assessments, and our master trainer was. We were part of a training group of like about eight agencies, and SAC SAC PD was one of those agencies. Now, I bring up SAC PD because Sacramento Police Department is huge, right? They have I don't know I don't know what they have now. I'm guessing, but I'm probably rather, I'm probably closely accurate, and that would be like 15 to 17 dogs, a sergeant that has a working dog. And so they're getting tons of deployment. And so, um, so that's where I learned that. And what was interesting was when I went to a HITS conference, Mike Rutland was talking. And Eric, I think that was the first time you and I met was, yeah. I, yep. was at that HITS conference. And Mike uh, was the... Was it DC? Uh, it was before DC. Which one was the one before DC? San Francisco. Uh, yeah. San, <laughs> yeah. I think it was it San was, Francisco. Yeah, I can't remember. But I can't that's... remember either, but Mike... Mike Rutland was the uh, the uh, keynote speaker. He taught a couple of courses there, and I, I don't know if it was during his keynote speaking if he did a presentation, but he talked he did he talked about what hit, how an assessment um, program, and it turned out it was almost identical to what we're doing. You know, we're looking for you know search drive, <clears throat> pardon me, um, bike drive, a lot of environmental. Most of the so. We get most of we got most of our dogs are looked at a lot of dogs through Adler Horse down in Riverside, California. Now the advantage to Adler Horse is that he has a, a huge selection of dogs. All of them are imported from Europe, so they have the working dog lines, and they have a great return policy. Now that return policy is huge because when you're spending, you know, thirteen. Well, at the time they're about ten five for a dog, ten thousand five hundred for a dog. If the dog didn't work out for the first year. Uh, Reaver, who's the owner, would allow you to bring the dog back and, and you could exchange it for another dog. Well, for an agency that you were, even though we were fully funded, but you still have to be mindful of your budget, that's that's a big plus. Man. If a dog doesn't work out and you don't have to worry about reselling it, you just, just it's like going to the store. Right? It's like going to Costco, turning your shit in and getting something new. That's that's pretty that's pretty attractive, right? So, yeah. so um, where was I going with this? But having said that, um, not all the dogs were uh, met our you know met our satisfaction. We we also needed a dog that could be on a bite, a real bite, be deployed, and then maybe an hour later uh, be doing a demo for an elementary school, you know, and and have that have that clear have that clear mindset. So uh, anyway, so that's you know that's that's kind of what we that's how I learned, and um, and then working with my own dogs, uh, working with some people that work for the uh, Michael Ellis school. Uh, I learned some additional things. So I've been fortunate. I've been, dude, I don't know how it's happened for me, but it's, there's, there's guys out there and, and people out there who are dying to be a canine handler and doing what you and I and Ted have done, right. Just dying to do it, but they can't get in. And it's mm -hmm. all this shit's been handed to me. And I don't know why, but I, uh, I've been blessed by being surrounded by some really good people, man. And so I think because of that, um, you know, I'm not so bad myself, <laughs> you know, Yo, you're definitely so. good at, you're definitely good at training. So when you're going along, you're getting towards the end. Um, did you have any, um, like trepidation or like, shit, I, I just don't know. Am I gonna, you know, and there's a lot of guys that work at agencies. Yeah. Like we talked earlier where there is no pension. They have a 401k. Yeah. They got to go do something and they'll start panicking yeah. when it's, when they should leave, they're miserable or, or 
or they're just, you know, beat up for over the years and they're in an admin that they don't like and things, and they'll just keep working at the PD miserable, yeah. taking years mm-hmm. off their life, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so when you come out, your situation was, was a little bit different, but, um, and, and timing of course is crazy. People reaching out to you and things, but was there any other way you were looking or you were just going to kind of go with the flow and see? What Dude, was I was, I was a leaf in the wind. I, uh, seriously, I, I have, okay. So when I retired, I was 56 years old and, uh, I had been working. My first job in life was at 14. I lied my age to, to get it. And really I've worked from when I was 14 years old, nonstop dude, until I was 58. And um, that's a long time to work, you know? And mm-hmm. I just, and I've enjoyed a lot of the things that I've done, especially working uh, in law enforcement and specifically working canine. But um, I, was, I was ready to leave. I was happy for this new chapter to start. I didn't have any, some of the stresses you mentioned about financial s- stresses. Uh, I didn't have it at all. That's huge, right? When you when you oh, yeah. when you, you don't have to worry about how you're gonna feed yourself or pay your mortgage or whatever you're gonna do, that's <clears throat> that's huge. And so I had I was in a really good space uh, when I left. I was happy, and so I was truly a leaf in the wind. And I had not planned on looking at anything. I I knew that I was I did get hit up a few times about getting into some train with law enforcement, but again, as I talked earlier i didn't want to do that i really want that was one thing i didn't want to do i really wanted to go in a whole nother direction in my life and i wasn't sure and i wasn't sure how that was going to happen and dude it just fucking happened like i literally there i got a tell i mean i'm getting telephone calls i'm getting telephone calls and for job opportunities and uh and the one that came up was one that i really just really fancied and it tickled my brain and i thought this is this is the direction I want to go. My wife and I talked about it for a while. She's like, you sure you want to do this? You know, one of those talks. And I'm like, yeah, I think I actually want to do this. And um, so I ended up going crazy and I bought a cargo van, you know, a brand new cargo van. And cause I needed that. Right. There was, there are some startup costs doing some of these mm-hmm. jobs, right? You just can't have working when you're independent and you have working dogs. Uh, my employer wasn't going to provide a vehicle for me. Right. You have to provide. And most of these people have one dog. You know, when I say people, people that um, wildlife detection handlers, they have one dog and they're probably, you know, in a Subaru or something. And uh, yeah, Pacifica. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And uh, and that works for them. But that, that wasn't going to work for me. I, you know, I had fucking four dogs. So I decided, fuck it. So I bought a cargo van, built it out. Uh, it is hot here in California. I try to start as early as I can because the morning hours are the best hours for as far as temperature control goes. I put in a temperature control unit. I don't have a hot and pop or anything like that, but it's it's pretty it's really damn safe. And I'm not I'm never further away than 120 meters from my vehicle. Actually, probably no further than 60 meters from my from the vehicle. And uh, and it's it's worked out phenomenally. I I love it, man. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm in the right place. I I, I feel like I'm I'm at where I need to be in life. That's- yeah, and we're going to take a break here in a second, get into the actual animal side of it. Um, but people who don't follow you on Instagram should get on there. Look up Fritter F R I T T R 11 Frank Ritter Fritter no. 11. Yeah. Fritter 11. Yep. Take a look at it. His pool in his backyard is like the playboy mansion. You're just <laughs> missing that 
grotto where you can hide in there and do stuff. Yeah. You're, it's an amazing setup. So it, that year and a half there had to be pretty flipping great, man. You know? It, it, yeah. It was, it was, it was fucking awesome, man. It was uh, waking up when I wanted to, which is, you know, I'm an early riser anyway, but for me, I still was sleeping in. Going out by the poolside, you know, having a cup of coffee with the dogs out there. Um, I had no fucking complaints, dude. It was, <laughs> it was, it was nice, man. It's still nice. It's still nice, but it was, it was, it was a good place for me to be for the first year. Cause I really, I didn't realize how much I, Eric, I, maybe you experienced this. I didn't realize how much I needed to decompress until I decompressed. I thought, you know, hey, when I came out, I thought, I'm in a good place. I'm okay. I survived. I'm not an alcoholic. You know, I'm not a fucking train wreck. And I, I wasn't. I never was. But I, I think I had a little more shit to deal with internally for the first year. Mm-hmm. And I did that through building, you know, putting up a fence and drinking coffee. You know, just kind of fucking off. And, and so um, looking back, I'm glad I took that time off to kind of, kind of rediscover myself a little bit. Yeah, my um, – and meanwhile, every time we look at it, Ted and I are in some weird weather situation. We're like, fuck you, Frank. Pool <laughs> yeah. and your fucking coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I used I to love- comment to you all the time, like, motherfucker <laughs> with the pool. Yeah, but, I, pur- uh, I purposely rub it in for you fuckers on the on the. On oh, the east yeah. Side I get it. I would too. I'm not saying I wouldn't. Um, I do the same thing when it's nice here with the lake behind me. But um, yeah. I, you know, and I'll be a thousand percent honest. Um, I have not decompressed. I, I grad- uh, graduated. I retired on a Friday, had my party that night, got blitzed, you know, had a great time. Yeah. Monday worked again, back at work in yeah. the business and have not stopped since. I've taken a few vacations, you know, things like that, but there's no extended time. Somebody was talking, oh, I don't know where it was. Maybe it was today, something about sleeping in or something. I just, I don't even know what that is. I haven't done it ever. And it's to the point now we go to Aruba um, to relax every year. I'm up at six o'clock and then I go to the gym up. I can't yeah. rest. And it's a problem. Uh, I sleep. I'm not saying I have insomnia or anything like that, but I told somebody today, they said something about sleeping. And I go, if it's past five thirty or six, I start thinking in my head, they're pooping in the kennel right yep. now. <laughs> right now they're there yeah. pooping, which they're not unless they're sick. But I, I, I'm like, I gotta go. If I'm not at the kennel by seven at the latest, I, I'm going to walk into the uh, disaster of the, and it's, it's not, but I can't get out of it. And, um, so I have spent most of my time relaxing by doing a full suit of tattoos, you know, to, <laughs> to kind of tell my story. And I, I've, and, and Ted and I, you know, have known each other for a while and he has seen a, a up and down iteration roller coaster with me. But um, I I struggle sitting still and relaxing yeah. and yeah. it just isn't it just isn't there for me yet and um, mm. I envy those who do so Damn, um, and I, I'm really proud of you man you got you you Thanks. did you had a great great time uh, did some kick ass work changed that program the fact that you got to change that is a big deal because a lot of people don't get to do that um, and it's no, funny it, you said I have two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Then you bought two cars and that pretty much ate up half of that, yeah. I would guess, built out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you so. know, I mean, most people, most people don't realize 
They think, well, how come every how come every PD or sheriff's office doesn't have just get another canine? What they don't realize is this. Okay, if you have a canine team that's actually going to be doing only canine work, you're pulling that more than likely that officer is coming out of patrol to, out of a patrol job who shagging calls. So now you got to backfill that spot. Well, that spot alone, the backfill, at least in California, you're like full compensation, not just salary, but you know the the retirement, right? All that stuff. You're looking at one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, right? Just for that, just to backfill the spot. And then now you have the canine officer. Well, the guy needs a dog. Depends on where you buy it. Our dogs cost about, right now, they're about $11,000. And then you have to get it trained. That's another $8,000. Then you need maintenance on the dog. Then you need to buy a car. Cars are not cheap. Cars are like $50,000, $60,000. And probably another five, no, probably like another $10,000 to outfit them with code three lights, all the hot and pops, all the drawers, the things that, you know, the uh, all the locks you need for, or safes you need for the narcotics uh, training kits, right? And it, it turns out to be a very expensive uh, ordeal and uh so looking for really for at least in california getting a canine officer 10 in service ready to rock and roll with everything ready to go you're looking at probably 200 probably looking at two hundred fifty thousand dollars. wow yeah you know this is how that's just the name of the game man yep all right we're gonna go ahead and take a break we come back um we're gonna get into like how how it started with uh imprinting a little bit not too far in the weeds on that and then what you're looking for and why you're looking for them. So uh, guys stick around and we will be right back. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland canine training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart and they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there, you know, you put in, denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. You get on there under training the online course, but here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor, canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should right here online. Uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience, and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues and you can't go Get on tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got Dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR. 
one zero. They'll give you 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So if you're looking at a 1900 S or that ball popper pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up. Doctor.com WDR one zero. So everybody knows that Ted and I, uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So it's why our relationship with Ray Allen manufacturing is so important. They've, these guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related that you need. Anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio, all capital letters, working dog radio for 10% off. Check them out. RayAllen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law, the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement. I have several friends that are civilians that work lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too so you got one that fits you can do it uh they also do contraband and animal control systems just to name a few so be sure to hit them up the website is easy rider online so that's the letter e the letter z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is arno out out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him and give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years, and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM canine equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out. ALM canine equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness 
and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around and everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day. And it comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it, and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the wintertime. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that, you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. These things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, everybody. We're back working dog radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, we're here with Frank Ritter, who um, retired out in California. And got to chill for a minute, but then it's like, I want to do something. He's got a super um, different situation. A lot of people, because you had dogs and got to use, you know, dogs that you have. And and you guys go watch his, his training with his Dutchies are great. Is great. Uh, I, I was full-time training dogs and, and watched his videos on some of the obedient stuff and just the, you know, um, really getting into the marker system that you know part of it and all these videos in his kitchen where you see his dogs doing all kinds of really cool stuff and it's pretty cool um ted uh did an episode when i was dying from COVID. i i think i was in the hospital when you did it episode 133 yeah and it was a uh, uh, ladies who do conservation work in hawaii what did you learn on that one ted so um they look for ducks and crazy ants and some other kind of weird like they call it devil weed that's like crazy shit kyoko is the is conservation dogs of hawaii it was an awesome awesome episode so we had one of the she's part of the conservation dog and the phd jennifer was there and it was crazy like they're using dogs to find like invasive species and shit in well one is invasive species and the other one like it's like a some kind of weird ass duck that's native to Hawaii or some crazy shit. I don't remember a hundred percent what it was, but it was super interesting because they were finding dead duck bodies. And uh, like I was like, oh man, like come to Oklahoma, we have lots of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all we do here. We make stuff. them that way. Yeah, we shoot stuff okay. here and we kill things. So, <laughs> but it was a super interesting episode because. Um, I mean, everybody knows Hawaii is like, you know, literally an island. So they have a huge problem with it. Um, But then that kind of like opened up the door to the whole like conservation dog side and dogs finding dead bats and bat guano and deer shed and all kinds of crazy shit that has come up. And this is really the first opportunity that we've been able to like get somebody to talk to us um, or nail them down. We've tried with some other stuff, but um, that so... Frank, what are you looking for? <laughs> like you're out in wind farms, right? So yeah. 
Okay. So yeah. So what? So you're not looking. For, you're not using the dogs to find wind. No. No. Okay. No, that, not the no, that's, no. Okay. But we we do use the wind to our advantage, obviously. Exactly. Um. So what I do is I'm I'm part of a group. It's it's a consulting firm, and in California and and throughout the United States, but specifically in California, when a new wind farm goes up or they do retrogrades because there's a lot of older windmills that are out there they're actually not windmills or turbines wind turbines and they do retrofits they put in the new mega towers um, they have to do environmental impact studies it's required by law and the studies in california this is not true for all the states but the studies in california require a three-year study and the firm that i work for has really phenomenal biologists and statisticians and there's a lot of shit that happens behind the scenes that i never see um but um our function, we're, we're the boots on the ground um, people. And so I'm assigned a specific amount of turbines that I, that I do. I, I can't talk a, in detail, in great detail, because I just can't, I'm not allowed to, but I can give you some generalities, but I'm assigned um, a number of turbines. There's a specific um, parameter or a specific perimeter that I have to do a survey on. So we do surveys on them. The surveys are controlled. I can tell you that it's, it's 120 meters or it's 120 meters. Turns out to be about 4.5 acres per turbine. And um, what we do is we look for fatalities. We take the dogs out. I run transects back and forth and uh, we find looking for specific fatalities. We have to find uh, bats and birds. And, and we do. And the study at the end of the study, the consulting firm provides a um, recommendations depending on the outcome of the surveys and the study but if they're for example let's say one of the turbines had uh, had an excessive amount of fatalities associated to it then they would make recommendations to the to the utility company hey this is what we recommend maybe during these hours during these months we turn the turbines off so that when the bats migrate through we minimize the fatalities because across the nation the turbines, and they, they say there's like millions being killed. So turbines are not going away. It's the new green energy that's coming, you know, it's been around for a while, but they're coming, they're popping up everywhere. And so we're trying to, which is kind of cool for me as well, is we're trying to have nature and these turbines co coexist together. And that's kind of the mission. It's not, it's not to poo-poo on the turbines at all. It's trying to figure out how do we minimize fatalities um, to make everything to make everything successful, right? So the animals don't get killed, and yet we're still having clean energy, and that's so. Kinda, so we're a big part of that. I, I mean, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist, but I believe in aliens. So, you know, I feel <laughs> so, like it's so a I. fucking Joe Rogan episode. No, I'm like, you ever tried DMT? So, I, I assume when you guys find a fatality, they perform some kind of autopsy to determine that it was actually. Yeah, killed by the wind not just it's, there was real, a huge... it's real apparent dude when they when okay they... well I mean, that was but, a question yeah. i asked because this happened in europe i think in denmark or in france i don't remember somewhere like off the coast where they had a bunch of seabirds that they were allegedly were being killed by these things and they brought in guys that weren't canine guys obviously but they brought them in and they were like well based on like wind currents and ocean currents and whatever else and the where these bodies were these dog these carcasses were found there's absolutely no way that this can happen and then they performed a bunch of autopsies on these birds and they're like no they died from ingesting some kind of weird like yeah. 
algae or some kind of crazy shit. And but they were doing it and then being transported. So they were being right. transported by I don't know, doesn't matter who, but somebody and then dumped. And then they're like, oh, look, they got killed by it. But that was kind of my thing. And I was like, oh, you're finding all these dead birds. Like, how do you know? And you're like, oh, it's apparent because they got they flew into a fucking propeller. <laughs> so, so, so to give you an idea how big these turbines are, the, the new mega turbines, they stand about 250 feet tall. The blades are 150 feet in length. And on a, on a w- w- really windy day, the, the tip of that blade is traveling up to about 200 miles an hour. It's Dude, it's an, it's intense, and anything that gets in the way of those of those turbines is you're gone of it. You're just gone, and so it's very apparent. Uh, for example, if a carcass is cut in half, <laughs> I yeah. just fight. Uh, yeah. Okay. So right, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so what I do? So there's two things. There's two different ways of doing this. One is if you're a biologist, so there's certain rules. You have to have all these permits and blah, blah, blah to collect you know, dead animals. And so if you're a, bi- uh, a biologist and you're a canine handler, then you're allowed to process, you process the carcass, really similar to a crime scene. They take all these photographs, they take measurements, there's all kinds of things that happen. They, there's God an actual, damn. yeah, dude, it's not just, oh, there's a dead bat, pick it up and throw it in the freezer. I mean, it's, it is photographed a million different ways it's um it's described it's it's like it's it's intense and so i don't fortunately i am not a biologist not not fortunately it's just that i'm not and so um there is a biologist also doing human surveys through site on the on the on the property and so um what i do is i take a quick picture send on the gps coordinates of where it's at and he comes out and collects them all so it's actually a lot easier for me than most Mm-hmm. <laughs> man so the that, way those turbines are built they have a big like pod that looks like something from mork from mork remember yeah. how he came in the egg-shaped pod yeah. dude every time i drive by one of those i look i'm like i would like to climb up there and fall asleep and no yeah. one would know where i was at for yeah. like three days so those the technicians that work the turbines they have to be cert- I mean, it's a big certification process no one can you just can't go up there just because you're Hey, can I go up? There? I thought of when I first got there, I asked my boss, I go, Hey man, I'd love to go up there and check that out. She's like, no way to hell. It's like, <laughs> because it's, it's such an OSHA thing, right? There's so much potential for disaster there. I mean, you gotta have, you gotta, when you first, like when I first pull onto the plot, you gotta assess a turbine because you have to think about things. Not so much in California. Oh, we do, we do get frost, but like in the Midwest where you guys live, those things collect uh snow and ice right they ice up oh yeah and when that ice slips dude that, that ice if it lands on you you're fucking you're dead dude you're, it's gone right so you got the it's it's a very it's a very dangerous game which i kind of like because it's in some ways that's very similar in law enforcement right? you cannot become complacent out there because shit can happen in a hurry and i I like that part of the job. You got to stay on your toes. You have to make assessments. You can't take things for granted. Um, and so, so there's, there's a lot going on besides just trying to find some dead shit, but th- that in the end, that's what we're trying to do. If there's, if it's to be found. How, how I, so this is kind of like goes to kind of the human remains side too. How yeah. did you imprint? Like what odor are they looking? I mean, Cause we've done, I've done some wildlife dogs. Um, I know some wildlife handlers and, yeah. um, and when I talked to the, the Hawaii girls, um, like they were talking about, and I'm like, 
they were kind of explaining during the break, like about some of the odors that they're finding. I'm like, how did you so, so imprint this? Or like, what are you so, looking for? So they actually have uh, training bats that they're, they're, they're carcasses. Uh, they have access to them because they have all the permits to them. They've been um, they've been cleared. They've been cleared for rabies. They all have their brains missing. And COVID. And so, <laughs> no, for rabies. COVID. COVID twenty. <laughs> yeah. COVID twenty. Yeah. yeah. COVID twenty is going to be from a fucking wind farm bat. Exactly. Yeah, and, right. And so, um, so I had training bats to to do the imprinting on them. When it came to the birds, it was just uh, if you saw some roadkill. You know, you fuck it. I'd stop along the road, fucking pick up a dead bird, and then mm. use that as, as a training tool. And then it became like on the job training as well. You'd find a carcass out there, and it's like, okay, let's, let's keep working on this. What uh, what huh. kind of bats are you seeing out there? I'm not a big bat enthusiast. I'm just curious of what you're. Yeah, saying. dude. I'm not you know, a bat it, enthusiast. It's, it's kind of it. Well, it's interesting, right? Because I didn't know a lot of. I don't. I don't know a lot about bats, but I know more now than I did uh, five months ago, and. Um, there is a wide variety of bats out there and the ones that are specifically in this area, they have a long tailed Mexican uh, bat, uh, the hoary bat. And then there's some other species that I, I don't even know, dude. It's just, you know, some, they're all kind of, uh, they're all kind of, at least some are really tiny, man. Like, so what happens is they do, um, I, th- throughout, throughout my, throughout my day, I can get, they call it seeds, but you're doing searcher's efficiency training. And so what happens is I don't know on any given day, they come out before I get out there or the day before and they lay out a bunch of training carcasses out there and they're seeing how many of them the dogs will find. And based on how many they find, there's no, you know, they're how efficient they are, then they can calculate some numbers. So, uh, but you know that, you know, those are training bats because those are identified by that tags on them. You know, so, and so they, and they know. <laughs> just from a statistical standpoint, because that that is kind of like at the root of what is uh, like when we talk about the law enforcement side, like Florida versus Harris, like what the the root of that is, right? Like how how effective well, a different question, obviously, but like how effective are the dogs? So I would assume that because you're a private well, you work for a private company and they're employing the dogs to do this one it's pretty quick. But two, they're probably pretty effective. Are you able to share like what effectiveness you guys have, or what yeah, I, th- I, I guess confidence I level they have? Yeah, I think they have to be at like I think seventy five percent or better at their efficiency oh. rates. Oh shit! Okay, you know so and and <laughs> I mean, maybe that sounds low to some people, but yeah, uh, I mean that's <laughs> pretty good. I right, mean, and my yeah. dogs are running at about eighty six percent right now, so we're nice. we're happy with that. And that's and again, you're talking about you may have one carcass out there or two in a five acre plot, you know, that, yeah, and they're finding it. Dude, I, I, I'm amazed by it. Right. It's, I mean, I've always been amazed by dogs in general and it's cool when they find narcotics and guns and cars that we all you know get boners for that kind of stuff. But to, to look at this big ass fucking field, man. And, uh, and they find a carcass that's only two inches in length is, and they, it's amazing to me, dude. It's, uh, and my dogs, you know, we talk, we've talked, you know, you've probably talked about genetics in the past with dogs and why we just don't pick up, you know, uh, dogs from the pound to be police dogs. Fortunately, my dogs have just really good genetics, man. And so doing the, doing the imprint process was so fucking easy. It was crazy, man. I mean, and my dogs already have a phenomenal understanding of operant training. So 
because of that, it's easy to, you know, once you, once your dogs and yourself understand how open training works and you're, and you're good at it, then you can train your dog to do anything relatively fast, right? Cause they just understand the game. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it makes it, makes it relatively simple. Um, so to, you know, I mean, to get, it took approximately Eric, maybe like, I don't know, man, um, like a month, a month and a half to really get the dogs to, to how I felt would, would, you know, to be certified. That's how long it took to get for me to train the four dogs. And I don't know if that's, you know, that sounds like a long time probably to some, but not really. No. You know, it, it no, worked out no, pretty good. That's, that's, I mean, given the search area and the environmental conditions and the, mm-hmm. like, the geography or topography, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah. That's, that's not. <laughs> I that's still know the police departments are doing six month. Yeah. Uh, detection schools. I'm like, you're just trying not to go back to the shift. That's what you're doing. Yeah. You're dragging this out and then you go on vacation after yeah. I know what what's interesting is because they're they're indicating on decomp, right? It's the decomp of the of the of the animal that they're hitting on. But what I've discovered is decomp, whether it's a human, right, for cadaver work, or whether it's bats or birds or rats or cows or whatever the fuck's out there, uh, have it has a unique smell to it. So you just don't want to do you don't want to. You don't want to imprint just on decomp because when you're working a fucking 45 acre day, there's a lot of dead shit out there, dude. There's mice and, you know, fucking coyotes that are dead. I mean, there's all kinds of dead animals out there. It's a, it's a harsh environment. And I can't, I can't spend, you know, there's a time, there's a specific time that they want a window of time. They want me to have the search done for each turbine. Well, I can't spend five hours on a turbine if my dogs are indicating on everything that's dead out there. So we have, we have to specifically, find or indicate solely on birds and bats and they're and they're doing it uh do do you put a uh final response or just let the dog kind of pick what he wants to do no i so what we did i just do it down so the dog will just dog will down and then that's and they look at me and that's it then your word is it's it's on it's moving forward on that are there anybody out there in that company or or i mean related to that are looking for live things like uh, some animals that you know yeah. have holes in the yeah they track yeah, this is what Ted was saying earlier in the show they they're tracking uh, evasive species and other and like this um, endangered animals through through feces tracking you know scat or through scat uh, the uh, the evasive species they're trying to use the dogs to find prior to the, just through the seeds, through the seeds on the ground before the plant actually takes root and, and blossoms and they're doing that. So they're using, this company uses the dogs for a variety of, of, of uh, but you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that because you're tracking endangered animals and doing the evasive species. You're actually humping it out there for sometimes a week or two living out, nope. you're living out there. And uh, that's not going to work for me because I have a family and grandkids yeah. and all that. And I want not 30. I, yeah, dude. Right. I'm not, I just want, I want to come home to a bed <laughs> and, a, and, a glass of red, and a glass of red wine or something, dude, you know? So, um, so that was, uh, that, so there is an avenue for your listeners to do something like that. Right. I mean, Ted was right on when he was talking about that. Those jobs do exist. And the company that I work for is just one of, I wouldn't say many, but a few. And the one that I work for is a, 
rather it's a it's a pretty big operation dude i mean 35 dogs and 27 handlers that's 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 a lot that's of bigger them. than like 90 percent of the departments in the country and units oh, maybe yeah, even more than that probably bigger than like 95 yeah. of the units in the country and and they're so. really good at what they do man it's i was i was impressed man it, they're good they know nothing, exactly what they're doing nothing like generating a profit to make sure the shit runs well <laughs> right I, just saying yeah. So, <laughs> so how many, you're running how many dogs? I'm running four dogs. So which one is the most successful? You know what? Uh, I've been doing a tally and uh, my Malinois oh, Sadie and uh, my Osiris, my Dutch Shepherd are leading, but not by much. They're actually all, they're all equally good, man. And I've discovered that some days are better than others for them. But, um, and, and Eric was talking about prior to going to the break about what do we look for in dogs and you, you and, and when you're doing detection work for extensive periods of time over great areas of, of massive areas of land you have to have dogs that are motivated you got to have dogs with drive you, you know the idea of going yep. to the pound and grabbing a dog because it's a feel-good story really it's, it's not that simple you know that everyone probably most of your listeners know that you need dogs that have just a crazy amount of drive because they can get bored in a hurry, right? And a bored dog searching isn't going to be effective. You want a dog that's getting, like my dogs get more crazy as, as a search goes on and they're not finding something, they're getting more fucking driving because they're like fucking, they're getting like almost like frustrated. Like where the fuck's the bat, right? You know, so. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, interesting. Drive endurance is a thing. And that yeah. is something that, uh there's been a lot of discussions about with some of the specialized search dogs and stuff about dogs that are searching for hours and only having one or two finds and like the ability to continue because you know what we're taught in handler schools and we're taught in trainer schools as new trainers is you have a super high rate of reward right like that's how we imprint dogs like that's why we use food because we reward 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 over and over and over and over and over again and you're like in the back of your head, you're like, this motherfucker's got to search for an hour with one find. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. God damn it. He can't make it four minutes. And I'm like, this, I'm yeah. never going to get there. So yeah. uh, we've done, I've done a couple of long duration dogs like that. And I'm like, I it, it, the selection for those is much different than doing a two lap car narcotic yeah, right. search. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, uh, way different. So in one way, I'm really fortunate. Well, in many ways, but um so i the, when they hired me they said i could work all four dogs right if i if i can get them certified i can work all four of them so what i do is my tur- for every turbine that i do i split it in half so each dog is working half a turbine each so i rotate them through and um a half of a half of a turbine takes about a half an hour so they're running a half an hour each and i go to the next dog so they're always they're relatively fresh but they're there's, there's been days where shit happens where, you know, Sadie fucks her ear up and she's in stitches for a few days. I, I don't take her out there, right? Or one dog's got, you know, diarrhea or something. I'm not going to take the dog with me. So there's times where they're working a little bit more than that. But overall, they're, they're working, they're rotating through four dogs. I'm doing it like basically every half hour. I tell people like, well, uh, the, well he sure gets tired. I'm like, walk around and go... <laughs> Yeah, all yeah. the time, and see how before you hyperventilate and pass out for see, thirty see minutes. See how that works for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I have one more question for you, and then we're gonna yeah. uh, start closing it up. You sure. are you an independent contractor? Do you get your own LLC for this? No, no. Um, I I still encourage guys 
so listen, if you're a canine handler or trainer right now, you do have a skill set. You have mm-hmm. something to offer. Yes. Right. So if you're nearing the end of your career and you, you just don't know what you're going to do, what you should think about is starting, get an LLC. It's not expensive in any state in this country. Get an LLC, a sole proprietor LLC, and buy, sell, get on GoDaddy or some other place and buy as many related um, website names as you might use going forward. And you may never use them. And that's cool. If you don't ever use them, let, let them expire. They're but, nine bucks. Yeah. Get ahead. <laughs> like get ahead. And then doing that actually kind of um, may propel you to actually take action and look, start looking into what can I use, you know, uh, deadbatk9.com. What can I use this for? Uh, I, you know, and then something's going to come around. And you might, you might never do it. You might do something else, but get ahead of the game. Don't wait unless you're, unless you just have no idea and you want to take that year, you want to travel more power to you, man. I, I suggest that for everybody. But if you're like, I can't afford it. I still have, a little, I still have some younger kids. I don't know what I want to do, but um, get ahead of it. The other big mistake guys make, listen, canine guys, if you're not networking in meeting tons and tons of people they want to meet you they want to know you they like i'll go talk to trainers like we have no buildings to train in i'm like what come on man i have act i could get keys to 50 different office buildings in the county because i interact with people and i used the whole canine thing and the police thing there believe it or not there are a lot of people want to talk to you. you can't be a troll who won't speak to human beings and uh and just you know grunt when you walk by people that's a dead-end situation you're a cop and a dog handler you can get work but you you gotta you gotta get out there and meet people and i'm sure out when you're out in california that's a big thing the other thing with folks the other thing that i see a lot is guys that come out of the military and guys that come out of law enforcement. And especially if they've been like institutionalized in both of those institutions, they come out and they say, I was a cop and people are like, okay. And they kind of, or they're like, I was whatever in the military and people are like, Oh, cool. And they kind of look at you and they're like, so you can like, and that's the thing. Like when, when they start like this whole for-profit side, and like now it's no longer it's about your results and not about adhering to policy for performance aspects all of a sudden shit gets really weird for some people and uh there's a couple of guys in my area that um were really well known in uh, the canine community because of their position but once they had to come to the dark side and compete like skill for skill and dog for dog they're selling dogs to their training group. So I'm just kind of like, all right, like, I mean, it's not, you know, and all of a sudden it's a lot harder than it sounds and it's a lot harder than it looks. And, you know, law enforcement eat their own. And for you guys out there that are listening, like the the social media side, if you're going to stay in dogs and you're not going to go get a job that Frank has, or that like our buddy that was mentioning earlier with like a massive agency where you just go and get a job and, you know, you're searching pallets all day, which is awesome because you could hang out with the dog all day and get paid really well to do it and you get benefits. Um, 
is you have got to learn how to use social media. Um, yeah. You know, and without a doubt, because if not your competition, people like me and Eric, when people like us will eat you alive because we've been doing it for a long time. We don't have a guaranteed institutional income that you do. And like your job is a professional handler. And when you get out, nobody cares. Like they're like, Oh, cool. Like if you can't teach the dog to shit outside and send on a place command and not go after the, not have two pit bulls go after each other. They don't care that you handle the dog for 18 years. They're like, okay, well you're, I mean, you're, you know, so like, and if you're not, you know, I mean, there's lots of agents, there's lots of uh, companies that hire like you know, the one like Ridgeside is one big one. Right. And then one of the other companies that we deal with like Ray's company, they do shit like that all the time. There's companies all over the country that'll hire former police officers that are really, really good trainers themselves, but make no mistake. The business side is a business and you have to have some business sense. If not, you ain't going to make it. So I would, like Eric said, get an LLC, talk to an attorney, talk to a business attorney, give them 250 bucks, you know, and talk to them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, um, what are we looking at, uh, going forward? You, uh, we already mentioned Fritter 11. Is there anything else you'd like to plug? Any, anything, any organizations that you're kind of really uh, helping out and pushing? Because those of you who don't know, Frank has a very good following on Instagram, very well known. And he usually uses that as a, uh, as a good platform in the, in the right. right direction, has some influence. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, if I could plug anybody on your show, it's always Canine Tactical Gear because it's a legit company. Family owned and operated. It's locally. It's local here um, in Rockland, California. There, uh, I've known uh, Bill and Sue have been in the business for thirty years. They make quality equipment, dude. I mean, the stitching is mm -hmm. amazing. And uh, so, if I could plug them, that would be awesome. They don't. They don't even need a plug, dude. Their their company has grown so much. It's just, it's just crazy. But they're just good people, you know. Good karma. So. You know what the best part is, man? Is I, and, and I haven't, I've met her. I haven't met him. Real nice people. Uh, I'll see a canine tactical gear collar on a pet dog that got dro gets dropped off for, for training, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, in Ohio, I'm like, that's always cool, man. It's always so cool. And it's solid. They're very nice equipment. Yeah. Like r real good looking stuff. I'll, we have a couple of dogs that come into daycare, doggy daycare, wearing, wearing their stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you think you're cool because you got a sweet ass collar. <laughs> yeah, people love go the over there. Dogs up. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I use. I mean, I I use all their gear out in the field. You know, and it just it just stands up, dude. You, oh, yeah. I mean, you buy a collar for a dog, unless you just get tired of looking at it, you never need to replace it ever for the life of the dog. It's just you know, it's just how it is. But yeah, they've uh, they gave me. Um, I think it was at Hits. We had was that where we had Linus with us, Ted. That, we, we had the giant fucking kong that was like yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, yeah that yeah that was in maryland so they gave us uh they gave me a puppy collar for him and that was i want to say 18 or 19 and um that that collar has been passed down to six or seven eight puppies over going forward over time i don't even know where it is anymore it's it's been good use to good use to good use and the last time i saw it uh it was on its like fifth puppy it was great great shape no problem that's awesome 
clean it up, scrub it up a little bit, you know, get some of the dog grime off it. It was, it was great. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. And um, just quickly dovetailing on what you, Eric, what you had said earlier about um, being an extrovert, really, right? Having, having some passion in what you're doing and what Ted was saying about networking, you know, I did, I learned early on that if you lo- if you are doing what you love to do, the money will follow. And so, and and networking is super important. But I think if you love what you do, you end up doing this stuff anyway, right? You start going to conferences. You and I, you know, met, met there. We met online through Instagram, through social, you know, through social media, because of the passions that we have for for dog training. And then we meet out there. And then now we're doing. You now you've invited me to your show three times, and and you start putting yourself out there. And and I. I th- and I do it specifically because I love to do it, right? This is just fun for me. I'm not, I'm not doing it for the notoriety. I'm not doing it for likes. I don't even give a shit about that. Most of the time I just, you know, if you look at my account, you probably realize I don't, I don't care about those things. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think having the passion and love for what you're doing and then being able to social network that passion, which I think comes almost automatically and seamlessly, if you like what you're doing, I think you will be successful. And so if you come out of law enforcement with those attributes, I think things will happen for you if you want it to. Nothing that any of us have just said, though, gives you is telling you to take your current working canine and go dance with them on fucking TikTok. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Fucking stop it. If you're a working dog handler, if you have a TikTok, it should be you working your dog not dancing with your dog under your leg like some jerk off (laughs) calls are waiting to be handled i can hear your radio going off if you're at work with your dog fucking work with your dog stay off of tiktok there's a big huge guy on tiktok uh dancing with his dog all the time i just found out he got fired because of bullshit he did on tiktok and money that came in on tiktok stop it work your dog show your dog's work on TikTok if you want maybe doing some muzzle fighting or something something like that doing some ob and, and actually working not wearing a fucking tutu and dancing between your legs like in your uniform like some chump the TikTok cop thing has got to fucking stop has to stop it's going to it's ruins people's careers cuz they they yeah. get notoriety and then they can't handle it and then money comes in and it's over. Your agency finds out you're using their dog on TikTok and you're making fucking money and not turning it over to them. It's over. Your career's oh, yeah. over for what? For likes. Like yeah. uh yeah. like Frank was talking about. Yeah. So Ted, where are you at? What's going on? Where can we find you? Uh Ted underscore summers on Instagram. That's all canine stuff. And then Torchlight Canine and Torchlight Pets on instagram and facebook um and then hrd police canine um on instagram and facebook and then working underscore dog underscore radio on instagram and then obviously uh working dog radio on facebook and then patreon page also so working dog radio i put a video up on patreon today it's just a quick little 35 second clip and um i took it right on the spot we were doing some table work with the dog and the new that new kid he got him we were working on bicep he got him low in the lower forearm and i gave a a little pro tip on how to work the dog back up while he's on there back up into kind of a bicep so those are 
some of the things that we do a lot of a lot of content we do on um patreon is kind of spontaneous while we're working or ted will ted will say i'm gonna go ahead and do this uh dick stall method or whatever and then he records it or something happens and he's a lot of case law things will put together so it's pretty good on patreon um i'm at van s canine on instagram van s canine academy on facebook we own ridgeside canine ohio feel free to go check it out it's just you know pets but i would like the uh the algorithm to have a little bit more followers on that thing and um i think that's it right that's what that's it and then check out frank at fritter 11 and go see his yeah um, one one not spelled out yes right. one one fritter yeah. one one yes and go check out his uh, uh hey are you a grandfather yet yeah dude i am a grandfather of six. I thought. i've got six grandkids man are you serious yeah what Dude, yeah, you have six grandkids? Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I not know that? I How do, I, I, I had a, I just drew a blank and I was like, I think he's got grandkids. But six? Holy shit, dude. I don't even yeah, have so a kid. I, yeah, so I have right. I have four adult children now, and all of them have kids now. Really? Oh wow. Yeah. It's fun. I I I enjoy it, you know, but <laughs> it's nice to uh just give them back, you know, when you're, yeah. when you're done with them. You know? That's what I like about puppies, too. Same thing. It's like, oh, it's not mine. Here, just take it Yeah, back. just fuck that dog all up. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Here you go. Do everything wrong with that dog. We got our puppy prep classes, and I'm like, oh, I got him for a week. Here he is. He's well-behaved. You have at him. Yeah. That's awesome. My wife's on a missionary trip in Mexico at a at a boy's home uh, this week, and she just tried to, to video call me, so I'm going to get off here because – the internet's limited there, you know, oh. the Wi-Fi. So, well, it's great talking to you again, Frank. I yeah. appreciate the, the idea, yeah. man. Thank you for the invite, man. And thanks for running yeah. with that. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. We All will right. see you later. Thanks. Until next time. Yep. Thanks, guys. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.